Hey, this is Emil with the Wang Bang Podcast, and before we get started on the second part of our Stranger Things 2 review, I just wanted to say that on behalf of myself and all the contributors of the Wang Bang Podcast, I want to wish you all a happy holidays and a happy new year. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we look forward to some very exciting new episodes in 2018. And now, part two. Okay, okay, now we're going to get, we're, you know, we, we've touched on 11. Let's get mm. to the part where, where I, I think that you have the most problem with. Um, the Basically, uh, Stranger Things in Philadelphia, when, when Eleven trucks off to meet her Indian uh, lab sister in oh, Philadelphia and, yeah. and meets up. I, I with, think it's Chicago, actually. It's I, Chicago, I'm, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, they truck off to Chicago, and uh, she basically meets all of the bad guys from the Fatal Fury or Final Fight <laughs> video game series. <laughs> and then they go on they go on a bank robbing uh you know mur- like assassination adventure <laughs> so, yeah what are what are your thoughts on that i have so many issues with that um <laughs> first of all her sister is like the worst actress in the world I, could I, not I, commit to I, an accent <laughs> i was like so she's british no, no, she's American. No, no, she's British. Nope, nope, American, American. You know. Like in, in her, like the, in this girl's moments of intensity, her like British accent would come out, Pops right? Out, like, yeah. For 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 the emphasis, you know, she'd like you drop a British accent just to sound cool. But then she'd like be talking, and then like, yeah, where'd her accent go? I don't know. Stranger <laughs> Things did not did not notice this when they were watching it. We're like, oh yeah, her accent kind of disappeared. It's, <laughs> You know, it's like Vera Farmiga's uh, Boston accent in The Departed. Right, right, right. Just, just fucking disappears. Um, and then the team, like the band of misfits, like you said, <laughs> are, are just like like all the the guys you punch out on the street a final fight. You know, like with the, the crazy mohawk, cut off sleeves, like hoodie. You know, I, I can imagine them like wielding a pipe and just bashing people. Right. But really that team, like th- those characters are literally something out of like a Chinese movie, right? Like, like some, like a group of people that like Jet Li would show up in the U.S. <laughs> and like and get punked on by. They're like, Jack, okay, Jackie Chan's Rumble in the Bronx. But yeah, basically, exactly like that. It's like, okay, how do we picture like bad American people? Okay, <laughs> the dude with like the you know the, the mohawk, of course, and then the girl with the dyed hair and nose ring, you know, and then you gotta throw in a black dude because you know, he's big and black and. And then, like, you know, and then you have the... Final Fantasy character. (laughs) Yeah. It's Barrett. Yeah, it's Barrett. It's Barrett from Final Fantasy VII. He's Barrett, yeah. (laughs) Like, it it was just, like, such a random, like, that the characters were, you know, not compelling. Like, there was no reason why Eleven should have wanted to be there. And and maybe that was the point, that, like, she was just so desperate to, like, connect with people. that she ended up with these, these, like... These douchebag gang robbers, you know, who led by this, by her sister with these other kinds of powers. But like it was, it was all just so silly. And like it, the fact that it, like it was the episode in between where like you know the demogorgons or the demodogs are crawling out of that hole, right? Yeah. And yeah. there, there's about to be the showdown in the lab. And then you have to watch this fucking hour of like her <laughs> running around with these people for like I was like, dude, it's like, it's like a fucking waste of an episode, really. So and, and like in the end, it develops nothing. Of, like it, you know, it's just like okay, like Eleven found her sister, realized she didn't get along with her. I I guess she has to go back to uh, 
Hawkins to yeah. be with the people that genuinely like her and right. don't make her rob banks and don't make her kill people. It's like, okay, like don't, I, don't you ever take that away from me. <laughs> <laughs> well done on the accents. Well <laughs> okay, I you know what I I I looked at this episode too and I I was just like this is such garbage. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> And, you know, I was reading up online, uh, so I, I think um, Stranger Things this season, uh, it was nine episodes? It was nine episodes. Nine. And last season it was eight episodes. Mm. So they got this bonus, <laughs> this bonus episode. <laughs> and we're just like, let's... Let's see. Let's see what we can throw at the wall and see what sticks. Well, I wonder if it was like a guest director. That's like, okay, you like you wanted to, you, you know, you want your own Stranger Things uh, spinoff. You get to direct this one episode. Go. And then they fired him halfway through. <laughs> and then they yeah. called Josh Whedon and yeah, they got Josh Whedon to, to try and salvage the movie to, to add in humor. <laughs> See, I, I think I think that my, my biggest issue with this is that it was so out of character. You know, like mm-hmm. I think they tried to take the eighties like Robocop movie essentially. Yeah. <laughs> they took the bad guys from Robocop and they were like, This'll work <laughs> you know. Um and you know, to to be honest, I really hope that they do not make a um I do. I really hope they don't make a spinoff of this because I think oh, it takes away. I, I don't think this is one of those things where you expand the universe and it's all kind of fun. Like you know, the WB DC series, it's kind of stupid, but it's fun to see like all the characters come together. You know, you get Supergirl, you get Grant Gustin as Flash, you get Arrow, you get all these people. You got an ensemble cast. This is not the team I want to yeah. see in an ensemble. <laughs> no, absolutely you know? not. I do and, not want to see a like a, a version of the Legends of Tomorrow DC crossover exactly. with. Exactly, with strangers. Her fucking sister who can't who can't <laughs> like, speak with an accent. I guarantee you, Stranger Thi- Stranger Things three is going to be the upside down on Avengers. I, I mean, like <laughs> if if they really if this did well, and I don't mm. think it did because I think that I think the consensus across the board is that 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 episode was just was just trash. But I think yeah. they're gonna get like. They're going to introduce like three more sisters, you know, mm-hmm. and it's going to be the four sisters team. And they're all going to get mm-hmm. like an icon, like the guy with the mohawk is going to get a lead pipe. And then he's going to meet, <laughs> he's going to meet up with, uh, with, uh, Steve's character. Steve Harrington. Yeah. Wielding his <laughs> baseball bat. I guarantee you they're going to both kill a dem- demi dog at some point and then clink their weapons together like they're playing doubles and like, like a tennis court. <laughs> Hey, maybe, maybe you should be writing. Uh, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, I know that they're trying to set up the moment here, and I can see the moment in my mind. And mm. you know, I, I'm gonna be honest. I would watch that one moment. I would go back and watch the YouTube highlights for just that one moment. But I don't think I can stomach. I don't think I can stomach an entire episode on it. If they mm. made it into like a TV movie, hour and a half TV movie, like we used to see when, uh, you know. When Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles became a movie or like when Power Rangers did a movie, it was like, this is so awful, but it's so good because it's hitting <laughs> all the spots. And like they, they put in like another million dollars into the production and stuff like that. So everybody looks cooler. Like, you know, mm. Steve gets a, a re, like an Adidas branded um, jacket. Like a track jacket. From yeah. that era. <laughs> like I would, I would love to watch it. And they, they're drinking like, Pepsi Crystal or something like that. <laughs> like all the stuff from that area. 
Era, mm-hmm. I think I would, I, I think just for nostalgic sake, and I think if they had a really good sense of humor, that they could pull it off. But otherwise, mm-hmm. this episode was just like, and I, I, I completely agree with you that the, um, that the Indian girl here ate, um, yeah. that she was a diversity hire. And that's sad. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. really, that's, yeah. that's really shitty, I, I think, because, uh, yeah. you know, she might have had a place somewhere else, but it's really hard to like, it's really hard to just, you know, put somebody in who is supposed to be a, a compelling character in your series and just have it fall flat on, on its face like that. I think she was so weak. I think her acting was terrible. I think she was mm. inconsistent. I think, I think also she was given terrible lines too. She was given yeah. like, like Magneto lines from, yeah. you know, like, join me, Eleven. Like, I was, come on, come on now, you know, like, Let's let's not make this into the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And I, I, think, I think the biggest kicker for me was that it's like she obviously is the most powerful person in the group. Like nobody even comes close to her. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody touches yeah. her. So why yeah. is she hanging out with this team? Is it really just because they're the outcasts or whatever? It doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. You know, yeah. like it, it like besides the vengeance motivation, I don't think you need a team of five people when you can fucking make people see butterflies or, or snakes or whatever, you know, like you, yeah. you don't need that. You can go in and kill, kill these people yourself. So, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a misstep in an otherwise mm-hmm. good, good season. But I, I, I think the only reason why they might've made this group so terrible is that they had to create a really dumbed down version of a team <laughs> so that Eleven could, like, understand, like, could get, like, what a team concept was or understand, like, like all of the outcasts had to be, like, an extreme of something, right? Yeah. Like, and they had to, they had to spell it out, right? Like, like her sister literally had to go around and be like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's this guy, you know, he, he's the brains or she's the brains of the operation. She doesn't miss anything. Yeah. You're this guy. This guy's our muscle. Like, I couldn't tell that, like, from the fact that he was a six foot three black guy. Like, <laughs> like what, what else would he have been? Do we, we could really make like a whole episode talking about yeah. how much we hate this one Stranger <laughs> Things episode. <laughs> but okay, otherwise forgiven because the um let, let's get let's get into the rest of the topics here. Um, I wanted to talk uh just a little bit about the relationship between D'Artagnan and Dustin because I think that's the weird oh. um like old yeller uh fucking um where the red fern grows sort yeah. of story. Well, it, it's just a cheap trick for the it kids is. to escape at the end. It really, is. I mean that the only purpose, and you, you know, this is another one of those things where they like they developed it way too much. Yeah. Like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dustin, you know, uh, like feeding Dart Nugget, and then all the you know oh, come him on. escaping. Didn't you get? Didn't you totally get touches of like White Fang from this? It's not like those, those old like Jack London stories. Yeah, well, <laughs> kind of. I mean, like. <laughs> And, I mean, because cause the animal didn't do anything for him, right? You know, it's one thing for, like, the animal to, like, you know, to be, like, you know, your your sled dog or your hunting dog. Sure, and, you know, where the red fern goes. But Dart didn't do anything. He just, like, he was just there and he fed him. And then, like, eventually he grew to way too fucking big, ate his cat, ran away. And at the end, Dart didn't eat him. Yeah, and let the kids go. I'm just, like, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Wasn't there? Wasn't there like a moment when you were watching that series where you're just like, they're gonna train him, and he's oh, gonna yeah. fight the Demogorgon. Yeah, yeah. I, I I thought there would be that actually. Yeah. I thought that would have been a, a good, uh, a good, a good twist. But really, in the end, for for the purpose that you know Dart served, and the purpose that you know, they, like, because they didn't like 
Dart growing to his size didn't contribute to the team understanding anything else, right? Like there weren't like there wasn't like a farm of a bunch of little darts, and then like you know Dustin's dart yeah. grew, and they were like, oh shit, like we got to notify the farm about you know what happens to these little slugs. Like it really just contributed no purpose, and this kind of goes into you know kind of the the overarching theme of you know there were just so many little storylines that they they really didn't need because they you know like in the end they they served no purpose i think um honestly they had the dart uh the dart destined storyline was ended up being like a waste of however much screen time it got okay well let's let's go into two more subplots then that Mm -hmm. um that I think were absolutely necessary, even though they contributed to the overall volume of the series. But let's talk about mm. Maxine. Let's talk about Mad Max for a second. Worthless. Well, you, you think so? You really do? Pointless. Absolutely pointless. I, I mean, uh, like, she was just another girl for the for the guys to fight over. But, I mean... But nobody was fighting over Eleven. Nobody was fighting over Eleven. They were just like, yeah, you know, look, look, at, Mike, look at Mike and Eleven. It's like a junior mm. high dance when you see one of your boys finally slow dance with a girl and then you guys are standing on the wall like nodding your heads like yeah yeah yeah, yeah you yeah. get it man. <laughs> yeah yeah i i guess yeah there this kind of threw in a little bit of conflict among the boys but not that much conflict that you know it wasn't like a a consistently visited theme it was more just like a humor element it didn't divide the group really i mean there was maybe one confrontation between destin and lucas but, but- um yeah, I, I mean, uh, with, with that conflict, though, I mean, don't don't you think think of, like Dustin and Lucas, they're going to be like, I, I think they're going to have the strongest relationship in the entire group. I think it's a I think it's a good setup and I think it's a good way to like um, it, it's it's how these boys become like understand that it's like people are human and they make mistakes, but the brotherhood ultimately is going to survive. Right. Because both mm-hmm. of them like Max. But both of them do shoddy things to kind of like get at her. And mm-hmm. I mean, the, and I think the Max character in herself is kind of like a, a badass, you know, like I, I think mm-hmm. that that's like, you know, she she has that kind of broken household sort of thing. You know yeah. that her her Heath Ledger lookalike stepbrother is going to show up <laughs> in like a 10 things I hate about you um, <laughs> moment in the, in the next season. It's going to be him and fucking like John Ralphio and fucking. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. And, and and the forty year old that's trying to be a teenager, <laughs> and Jonathan Byers, like they're gonna have some sort of like love triangle situation with Nancy again. Oh God! <laughs> Good God! I, I mean, I I just think that Mac, the introduction of Max, a it, it's a good influx of, of kind of a another feminine element in this series. Like you have a lot mm-hmm. of you have a lot of boys in here. You do. You have you have a lot of kids in here, and it's great, you know. Because I I think that this like this for me is like when you see a group of guys get together. I don't know that like there is well, I mean, and I never experienced it, but I don't know that there's a female equivalent necessarily that we've seen in 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 mass media or, or any sort of programming at all. But seeing girls get into it, I remember you know when when I was a kid. When we went on the adventures, when we biked around the neighborhood and, and, and did whatever, that there were girls with us too. But you know, like the focus. I I, I don't remember that. <laughs> well, I mean, you 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 uh, you never had friends that were girls, so it didn't matter. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think I think this is. A, 
I think this is a good. Um, I think this is a good introduction of uh, of another feminist series, another voice, and and somebody who's like inherently different than. No, it's fine. But I, I mean, I, I think that it's good that they have like a little bit of diversity there because even amongst the guys, I think the, I think the the presence of the girls brings out the distinction in the boys. I think mm-hmm. that like Lucas, Lucas, you know, it was kind of a cheap shot at the beginning when they were talking about the Ghostbusters and how, you know, because Lucas is the only black kid that he should have been Ernie in the Ghostbusters. Yeah. And that was the yeah. only thing that really stood out to me because, yeah. you know, all things aside, Dustin's kind of the, Dustin's kind of the, the standout the character. Loser. Yeah. Because yeah. he's, he's, he's kind of, he's the cute one, you know, he's, he's mm-hmm. cute. He's quirky. He sets up the radio. He talks a lot, mm-hmm. you know, he's the yeah. most charismatic, but honestly, Mike and Will and Lucas all kind of fall into the same pot for me. You know, they're kind of yeah, they don't know what's true. going on. And I, yeah. I think that the presence of girls, like, and the relationships with girls, honestly, mm. like, it develops the it develops the the girls' personalities quite a bit because Max is looking for a group. You know, Max yeah. is that that lone wolf too, and she's looking for a group. Mm. And so is Eleven, but they're looking for a group in such different ways. And mm-hmm. and you know, they're, and they're bringing out what the distinction is in the boys. And I think that's part of growing up too. That you know, mm. even though you're associating with like-minded people, that eventually you're going to find out that you have differences as well. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. that's why I think the Mad Max storyline is not trash. I think I think mm-hmm. it's great. I think it's going to be. It's going to be a great setup for season three. It's going to, I think it's going to set up a, a, a good number of, of uh, subplots in season three as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I I can see why they would bring her in, especially since you know season one had eleven, and now yeah. season two doesn't really have eleven as part of the group. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, you're right. It is kind of a way for these boys to help these boys grow and to distinguish themselves. Um, my biggest problem was actually her her brother. The oh, fact yeah. that you know her, her brother. I mean, like, and he kind of falls into the whole like you know Chicago team of misfits. Like, he, like he's Wait just a second. like he's like the epitome of like like a, a roided out raging like hey, like hey, man. You know, you take that back, man. That car is bitching. <laughs> That car is straight bitching, and the way that he hits on Will's mom. Oh yeah, yeah, that part's. Or Mike's or Mike's (laughs) mom. I was like, oh god damn, that guy's smooth. How old is that guy? Has he been to prison? Did he go to juvie? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had to be like a twenty-one-year-old high school kid, but (laughs) punking on him in the basketball game. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, that's what I want to (laughs) do. But but like you just said after that scene when he's like driving with Max and then like he's about to hit the kids and yeah. he's like speeding up and he just yells like you want you want me to hit him you want me to hit him ah! <laughs> ah! Like, I'll do it I'll like, do it but but he just like he just embodies that like like he was like too like it was just a, a way too exaggerated villain that it's like okay come on like I know we're not supposed to like him but <laughs> this is just like like too over the top like he's, you get it you're not supposed to like him he's like, this year's Steve though because Steve Harrington had such a great redemption no, arc no I mean he well he doesn't redeem himself though and actually I, I think the only, oh my god get out of wait, here Steve, Steve totally no, redeems brother. himself oh no no I'm talking about the brother the the huh? brother doesn't Billy. Billy doesn't redeem himself. Yeah, Billy doesn't redeem himself. Billy get, Billy gets laid this season. Steve redeems yeah. himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm saying about Billy is like the only reason why he's in there is to set up season three, and I guarantee you that Billy is going to be like the portal somehow 
to the underground, like uh, to the upside down. For sure. He is, he's going to look. That's what I'm saying. Like, but he's going to join the group afterwards and he's going to have special dark powers. Maybe he becomes the Loki of this Avengers. You know, like, <laughs> Stranger Things and uh, Avengers uh, group. That I, I don't think so. <laughs> I think he's going to be the main problem and they're going to have to kick the shit out of him. But um, yeah, I, I there, there's a lot of problems with that, that, uh, that uh, Mad Max and her brother storyline that once again I think was you know kind of took away from some of the other things that had to be developed. Okay, so, so let's let's talk about guest stars then in here mm. because th- these mm. are things that were brand new, but I think that their addition of it absolutely developed the series. Uh, yeah. Who do you want to do first, the corporate shill from Aliens, Paul Reiser, or Samwise Gamgee, Sean Astin <laughs> as fucking Bob Newby? <laughs> Let's talk a little Bob Newby because Bob Newby is probably the best part of this show. I think, you know, his like the the fact that he's like, you know, he he's portrayed as like such a douche, like and, and he's not like, a douche. You know, he's a he's a he's a he's a goody two shoes. He's a, like yeah okay like portrayed as like this goody two shoes like bland vanilla like his own future like son-in-law uh stepsons you know hate him make fun of him you know um but in reality he's a a genius you know b like a very very like compassionate person and c you know like meets his death i i I, like in a very very like unfortunate way like i i think he he was great and and uh like it, it kind of almost was like a twist, like because you think in the beginning that because he's so bland, he's just gonna be like survive like that yeah. guy. Yeah, he'll just survive, and then maybe he'll die, but you won't you won't really care. But he ends up like basically saving, you know, saving people over and over, <laughs> yeah. and he's like one of the main heroes of this series. Like and, that's the know. lake. Thank you, yeah. thank you, fucking Sam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. <laughs> Yeah, his name's Bob. That's that like Bob movie. Like that, that's like such a, like a great name. Not right? Robert. Not Robert. That's Bob. Yeah, he's Bob Newby. Like he he could be like a sitcom character, right? Like, <laughs> like and like he's just like you know like dad like he makes dad jokes and shit like that. Like I hope it does and suck. Like you know, I, I like I laughed hella hard. Like yeah, and that's the thing. Like he's like kind of the first like. Like dad joke making like hero yeah, because right? because Dave because Hopper is a terrible <laughs> terrible he, father yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a he's a terrible father shut up you get back in that room <laughs> yeah clean up <laughs> no TV for you but yeah I I I thought Bob was Bob was great uh, do you think that Bob newbie was the genius move of the season. Yes and no. Um, I think yes in the sense that you know he he brought in like a whole other character element to the to that to kind of the adults, right? right. Because Winona Ryder is just way too. I, I don't even want to call her intense, but she's just like flipping out the whole time. And then Hopper is kind of like you know you're trying to always just do the right thing, be reasonable, you know, not be emotional. I, I think you know Bob Newby really brought in like this element of like. You know, kind of fun, lightness, compassion, um, like making compassion. Like it, it brought the family back in. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so let me. But ask, but, I'll, oh, so but let, let me get into the problem I have with it is the, his send off 
you know, kind of his death and then his following, like the send off after that, it, like he just kind of dies. And yeah. then that's like, you know, uh, uh, Joyce Byers has like a moment where she like looks at his picture and cries, I think. But other than that, that's not developed at all. And really, like J- even Jonathan, I don't think Jonathan Byers even really acknowledges like how like because Jonathan Byers was really like really the only one that was like, yeah, like, you know, what like what, why does mom like him? Like he sucks, you know? Right. And like. The fact that, you know, Bob, you know, Bob dies, like, you know, basically sacrifices himself. He doesn't even sacrifice himself for Jonathan Byers. No. Right. Which they, they could have done. Yeah. They, 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 you know, because he could have redeemed himself with the only person yeah. that he needed to redeem himself yeah. for. Mm-hmm. And, and that was my only problem with uh, with how they, how, how, how Bob's character played out. Okay. Well. Did you? Uh, I wanted to ask you. Did you watch the uh, special afterwards, Beyond Stranger Things? No, I haven't. Okay, so here, here's a here's an interesting tidbit. So we're we're gonna talk about Paul Reiser next, and then we're we're gonna mm. we're gonna um, uh, kind of wrap up the story section of it. But um, Sean Astin, uh, who plays Bob, actually tried out for Paul Reiser's character as the corporate shill in the mm-hmm. laboratory. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, but the, uh-huh. but the Duffer brothers like was just like. Like and you hear this in the Beyond Stranger Things uh, commentary. He's just like, dude, we have fucking Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> we gotta make him the hero. We gotta make him the hero to Joyce. We gotta make him the hero to the family. So I mean, like, this was an active decision because um, I think they knew what a gem they had in Sean Astin. I, I, I think, and I think that the decision making and the process, like, especially because he was trying out for a different part. I think, I think the way that they kind of created this character and developed it in the way that he did was just absolutely brilliant. I, 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 I think that, you know, Lord of the Rings was, um, was in the two thousands too, but for some reason or another, Sean Astin fits right into this, um, this kind of like eighties mm-hmm. nostalgia era, you know, like mm-hmm. he slips right in there. And I, I know he did a couple of like, you know, um, uh, like Bref- Breakfast Club type movies when he was growing up too, but like you don't really notice him in those things. But man, he he's just like a uh, he he just can't is unremovable from the season for me because I, I think he was the absolute highlight of the season. I, mm-hmm. I I I couldn't get enough of him. Like the first time mm-hmm. I saw him, I was like they're gonna do they're gonna do him like this, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like they're gonna yeah. play the Radio Shack employee. Yeah, he's a Radio Shack employee. I think that's hilarious, dude. <laughs> but then, like, oh, man, the, just the way that he did it at the end, it's like, you don't know basic, like, computer engineering majors everywhere. Our fathers gave a cheer, like, across the nation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when, like, when he was coding his way out of the fucking laboratory. I thought I thought he was absolutely great. I think I thought that mm-hmm. was just, that, that touched on so many different levels of, like, nerdism and, you know, like, the, the unorthodox hero in him. And you know it was mm-hmm. unfortunate that he he had to be written off the way that he was, but man, like if if he came back in season three as like you know I don't know a demi zombie or something like that, I I would not be opposed to it because I I, yeah. I can't get enough of Sean Astin in this series. Mm-hmm. All right. by, by the way, I, I want to add in another uh, nitpick I have about his death. Okay, uh-huh. so that that lab was literally like littered with dead bodies of freshly killed scientists yes. <laughs> like they like like their bodies like piled up in the hallways <laughs> and yet like all five demo dogs were just like just wanted to eat bob like 
Like, <laughs> like that's, they that's like none of these other de- <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying like there was a bunch of fresh meat laying around. Like the demo dogs weren't distracted by all the other dead dudes laying around. Like that part, I was kind of like, eh. like you know, like, like they like he he didn't have to one of those like he didn't have to meet his death sort of things. But um, that that that's my my last nitpick about uh, Bob Newby. Okay, well let, let's talk about um the uh. The, the last thing about the story I want to talk about, uh, Paul Reiser, uh, mm. played the, the kind of, kind of the corporate shill at the laboratory in, um, in, uh, in Hawkins. And, mm. um, and, uh, also, uh, the journalist who is, what's his name? His name is Murray, 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 Murray. Ah. He looks like Paul Murray Giamatti. Huh? He looks like Paul Giamatti. Yeah, he kind of does, like a younger Paul yeah. Giamatti. Yeah, um, yeah, I thought he, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he his name is Brett Gelman and mm-hmm. uh, he he's just a comedian but um this this is probably his biggest role thus far I, mm-hmm. I thought Paul Reiser did you watch Aliens when you were growing up or um yeah. the second one Yeah I've seen them all I don't yeah. remember specific details but So so Paul Reiser in the second one is that is is the corporate shill too for the uh Wayland mm-hmm. Yutani uh, corporation mm-hmm. or whatever and he's just going through there and he also just like um Sean Astin was was uh, playing kind of a stereotyped character from the beginning mm-hmm. because anybody who remembers uh, Paul Reiser from the Alien series know, knew that he was just an absolute fucking weasel in that in that show. And mm-hmm. I think that um, you know I, I I think that the biggest thing for me in this season leading into season three is I don't know what the motivations of the laboratory are. It is kind of weird, right? Because uh, from season one to season two, like, it was completely different. Like, season one was, like, keep all the secrets. We got this, like, fucking girl who's, like, this – who's got telekinetic powers. And, like – but now it's kind of like, eh, like, you know, we're here to kind of clean things up. And for the better of the world, we want to keep it a secret. The secret gets out and, you know, Paul Reiser's kind of just like, eh. Yeah. (laughs) Like, but yeah, he he still has a job at the end of the series even though all the news publications – um, you know, basically out his lab. And, and I, I actually think that he's going to be the bridge into the third season because um, if, if you recall the last scene of the, of the last episode in this, which which comes out from like the very sweet dance scene where, mm. you know, Eleven and uh, Mike, uh, you know, kiss for the first time and Nancy starts dancing with Dustin, just like, uh, again, huge nostalgic notes on that point. Mm. Um, like real, real, like, you know, heart jerker for me. I, it, it made me feel uh, quite a bit. I really, really love that scene. I think they, they captured the junior high innocence of it so, so mm. well. Um, but in any case, so after, after you kind of zoom out of the school, mm. this dance, they, they flip it to the upside down where they see, where you see the shadow monster kind of just, um, encroaching looming. upon the school, yeah. looming in the background and and you're just like oh my god what are they going to do for season three because you know that it's coming and i, I think ultimately it's going to come from the lab again and i you know i i actually um, and i want to hear your thoughts on this i wouldn't be surprised if at some point um they'll delve into some sort of side story where they try they try to take children from the junior high school at like sometime in the past because a part a part of the intricacy of stranger things is like they they make you go through the mystery of it all they they like mm-hmm. set up this thing and then they can go back and they can like you know change history any way they want to write it and i think at some yeah. point they're going to go through like school archives or something and find something um 
about how, you know, like there are more children out there or something like that. And I think mm-hmm. Paul Reiser, you know, even though he had kind of a redeeming moment where he tried to save the children at this season, I think he's ultimately going to come back and still be a corporate shill in, in mm-hmm. the third season. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. You make a good point that, you know, that they don't really – delve into the origins of the under the upside down which um you know uh, this is a very very like plot driven like we have to save will and we have to fight off the demon sort of um storyline but all in all they they really don't expand on you know what is the upside down where does it come from i mean we understand the motivations are to just to take over the real world i guess but um at some point, they they do have to explore it, and this kind of touches back to you know they could have had eleven explore the upside down. Instead, they right. had her come right back out and live in the real world. Right. They they they're going to have to do it, and I think you know, like you said, I don't know if they're going to do it through the by you know it's not going to I don't know if it's going to be explored through the means of finding these children that went missing many years back, or some other means. Um. I, I think that if it was missing children, in, kind of in that in that small town, they would have already brought that up. They've already, you know, because they've already lost two children, Barbara and uh, Will, right. right? And they like at some point someone would have been like, "Oh yeah, it was like that time, like ten years ago, when you know, <laughs> these two kids like mysteriously disappeared." Yeah. So, no, I don't think that they're gonna they're gonna do something where they're it it it, it had abducted kids in the past from the junior high. Right. But I think it's possible that in the future they you know the the junior high might be a hunting ground for the upside down to to pull some of the children in. Right. So. Okay. So, you know, the upside down next season, that's going to be, that's all great. But for me, uh, at least I, <laughs> I want to talk about redemption for a little bit. Mm. Cause yep. I, I think that for me, one of the standout stars of this season was, uh, was Steve Harrington. Um, his relationship no with mm. Dustin, um, how he developed as a character, how he got past just being a pretty face for, you know, Nancy to crush on and stuff like that and how he matured himself. I loved him in this season. Mm. Wanted to know what what yeah. your thoughts on him, on him was. Yeah, and his his development actually kind of went hand in hand with the shortcomings of uh Jonathan and Nancy's. So I, I do want to touch on them first because they accomplished nothing <laughs> in this in this season. And this this goes back to like if this series was like episode week to week to week, you'd be like, why even have Jonathan Byers and Nancy in it? Because they literally do nothing. In the beginning, like the season starts off with Nancy and Steve t- still together. Nancy wants to tell Barbara's parents about what happened to Barbara. Steve says, you know, no, we can't do that because the government will come and kill us. They split, and then Nancy and John go. Jonathan Byers go on this adventure, which literally entails them, you know, going into the lab, recording the, that scientist Paul Reiser saying some things, and then them going to um, to the to the to the journalist's Murray, place, Murray Murray's place, and then you know they, they give them this information that oh there is a lab, blah blah blah. That is all they accomplish in this. No, series, no, right? no, it's not. No, no, it's not. Right, Jonathan, Jonathan slept on the pullout. 
Oh, <laughs> how was the pullout last the pull night? <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> it was good. It was good. <laughs> That's a great line. Great line. But I, I think that, you know, I think that really opened the door for, um, you know, Steve to kind of just shoot off, kind of slingshot into his own character arc, right? Like, they really don't revisit the fact that they broke up after that, right? Like, him and, like, Nancy have, like, one conversation. But other than that, it's like, you know, zero to 60, like, Steve's helping these kids out, like, bashing demo dogs and, like, saving them from Max's older brother. Like, it's it's great. And his his interactions with Dustin are just fucking hilarious. The Farrah Fawcett hairspray. Yeah, the, like... Hair, like hair advice, women advice, yeah. you know, it, it, it it's so subtle, yeah. um, but it, it's great. Yeah. It, it's uh, one of my favorites. And I and I, I can definitely see him like kind of becoming one of the um, one of the main stars of the show over Jonathan and Nancy for sure. Because Jonathan and Nancy, their stories really aren't very compelling, like especially now the fact that they're together. Right. It's like what what challenges could they really like you, you've basically Jealousy. just been waiting for this to happen. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, like, not like Jonathan Byers is, you know, you know, picking up girls, and you know, Nancy's already had her first go around with Steve. So, you know, what, uh, you know, like, is, is Dustin gonna get into the mix? No, no, no. It's you not. Know, it's like, not gonna be Dustin. It's gonna be Max's stepbrother, and Nancy's gonna be oh, like, God, Ooh. no, God, no, God, no. Um, she, she, could, but, she will just hook up with the baddest boy of every season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I, I th- this is a uh, a Meal Wang Ford uh, Ford bold move bet, but I I think Steve Harrington dies in, uh, in before the series is done. Uh, note note that, Connor. This is the degree all in moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I need a sponsor. I need a sponsor. So, uh, Ford bold move. Ford bold prediction is uh, is Steve uh, Steve Harrington dies. So, Damn, uh, that would that would every, be terrible. <laughs> every, everyone, write that down. Just as shocking no. as Glenn getting his head bashed in. Dude, do, uh, do you know what I think would be belt. hilarious? Mm. If they got uh, if they got the actor that does John Ralphio to be the upside down version. Of oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're gonna would... go to the upside down <laughs> world. Rent a swag where swag is our business. God no, I, I would stop watching if any if John Ralphio or, uh, or his sister. You know, uh, okay, and, and on that, I, I'll say this. Um, I, you know, I, I actually do think that the um, relationship between Steve and Dustin is, is kind of the sweetest in the in the entire series because it's hinted at, but it's not ever explicitly said. But Dustin is um, is also the child of a single parent. He only lives with his mom mm. too. He doesn't yeah, have any other yeah. male uh, – he doesn't have a father figure. He doesn't have, like, yeah. a, a male role model in his life. And Steve mm. kind of transitions effortlessly into that into that slot yeah. for him. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, I mean, there's something to be said about this. Like, it, when you're – like, there's, this is not a happy show when it comes down to it. Mm. You know, there are funny mm. moments and there, there are moments that will make us smile. But mm. – the, the people that they that you know are supposed to be the main characters Mike and will um, you know they uh, at least Mike um, Mike Mike has a perfectly good family you know like dad's kind of a mm-hmm. tool mom's kind of you know uh, <laughs> mom's kind of an airhead but that's a mm-hmm. nuclear family right there 
you know. And mm-hmm. Lucas's family, he's got his sister, he's got his his mom and dad are both there, and that's that's a nuclear family. And you know they have all really strong relationships, but the rest of them all come from broken families. And I think that's like the fact that they can get along so well is mm-hmm. big thing. But the thing is, I also think that it sets up conflict for the next season as well. Like as they get into high school, and you know the insults may change, like the mockery mm-hmm. of their families may may change yeah. as well. Um, yeah. And I think family is a big issue, too, because if you look at Maxine's family, too, it's a stepfather, stepmother sort of situation. That's her stepbrother. Mm. It's it's very, very tense. I think that there's a lot more going on in kind of like a social commentary perspective for mm. families, and it's so subtle. And I think that yeah. like the fact that they do this and they do it so effortlessly, effortlessly is so it, – like it, it's just a testament to how well the Duffer brothers write and the type of yeah. thought that went into the series. Yeah, yeah, like the, the thing how like Max's brother is probably a racist, right? But they never yeah. explicitly say it. Exactly. Right? Like, you know, they're like, you, you know, don't, don't hang, hang out, out with, with that guys. Kid. Like, <laughs> yeah, like they, you know, he doesn't drop the end bomb or anything, but it just says, you know, you don't hang out with people like that. Um, but you're right; it, it it's not ham-fisted. It's not you know really like forced upon you, but you you kind of infer it from there. So, yeah. Um, All right, last question for you before I let you go. Um, we touched hmm. on this earlier, but uh, I think that the children in in this series were absolutely phenomenal actors um yep billy bob brown uh, as 11 is just you know a standout star for me you know even if you didn't love uh maxine um sadie sink as maxine i thought did a phenomenal job i thought lucas you know as, as a young black kid did a really good job of defending his position and everything like that i think finn wolfhard yep. as as mike they, they everybody here did such a great job and i think that it's been such a long time since we've seen child actors of this quality or not necessarily mm. of this quality, but child, the expectations of child actors, mm. uh, set so high, you know, not since, yeah. not since Macaulay Culkin back in the days, you know, where you kind of expected a certain performance out of him. Even if you didn't love the mm. performance, you expected that quality of performance out of him. I thought, I thought there was maybe like a 15 or 20 year gap between, you know, those levels now. Uh, is, is this a new threshold that we've set? Are expectations for child actors going to be consistently this high moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I think definitely now, like, the fact that all of these kids, you know, are new, right? None of them were real actors before. They all had to audition for this. Was is is kind of a good sign that, you know, filmmakers are going in a different direction of getting these children actors and the fact that they're taking them more seriously right like i remember in our in our very first episode of uh, of this of this podcast we talked logan and right. you know Daphne Keen. granted yeah. it, it, like you you just kind of throw in like you know with uh, x23 like she was good you know but she just like she didn't have to do too much you know she just had to be angry and like you know, confused, which is, which is fine, you know, but then they brought in all the other kids and you're like, dude, this is fucking cheesy. Yeah. Like, you know, they, they, they kind of just capitalize on all the things that make kids cute. You know, they, they just play the innocence card. They play the, you know, uh, you know, children playing with the adults card. And that was, that, that was just stupid. Like it, it's just been done so much before, but now, you know, you have these children actors that have to, that have to, kind of react to some of these greater themes right right and 
Yeah, I, I, I appreciate it. I think I think it's great um, that that they're doing it. Um, I, I want to contrast Stranger Things to it um, <laughs> the, 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 because well, it came out. Um, it came out uh, what just a couple like months ago. Three and months Phil, ago, yeah. Uh, Finn, yeah, three months ago. And Finn Wolfhard is who plays Mike Wheeler in this is actually like a, another character in it. Right. So it's kind of funny to see these, you know, these stories side by side, and you have this one actor who's in both. And granted, Finn Wolfhard plays a completely different character, and he, he's fucking hilarious. If you get a chance to watch it, right. um, he's like a like a more like profane like version of uh, Dustin, basically. <laughs> Like he, he like jokes like he has one great line where like all the kids are sitting around talking about like, you know, and these are kids that are in their like early teens, like 12, 13, 14. Like they're sitting around talking about how they had like a moment where the clown terrorized them. And then like Finn Wolfhard's sitting there and he's like, wait, guys, does this sort of thing only happen to virgins? <laughs> like, or so, some kind of line like that. It's fucking hilarious. Um, but uh yeah, I, I think in, in recent years, you know, they they have up the up the the level of um, children actors, and and it kind of opens up the uh, kind of the the range of what you can do in movies now, right? Like, can you imagine like uh, something as creepy as like let's say Lord of the Flies, right? right. A, a, a movie like that, or or you know, remaking Battle Royale right. with you know talented American actors, and even Wait, didn't you even watch taking Hunger them Games? out of Fuck me, man! Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah just just J Law's intense face the whole time. My like, God, don't don't get me started. I need her. more fiber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it. You know, it's good that you you like people are beginning to find ways to um to to expand this talent pool of children, and then you're able to make some some really great films that can visit some really creepy themes. I, I think a quality Lord of the Flies would be a very good movie. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, you yeah. can try and make some more adult, uh, you know, adult themed, not necessarily adult themed, but with like mature themed issues. Like Island of the Blue Dolphins has never been done justice. You know, that, that, that would be, was that the native American one? Amer- yeah. The American one, the Scott O'Dell um, mm. novel, has never been done mm. justice. Uh, you know, actually, uh, you know, I think back to like the, the kids in the last samurai too, you know, th- those kids did a phenomenal job there as well. And I always just wish that you could get some of these together and kind of recreate some of the children's story. Like where the red fern grows would be an incredible, uh, mm. you know, uh, movie to, to make at this time. And I don't know if you've seen this, but have you seen the latest wrinkle in time trailer? Nope. Uh, you know, I just feel as though that like the the quality for that again has been pulled back. Like they're, they're just playing it safe, and you know, mm-hmm. it's been, I think it's being made by Disney um, right mm-hmm. now, and and I just don't understand with with the level of quality actors that you can that you have right now. I don't know why you're trying to play this kind kind of to the lowest common denominator. It might it might just be a monetary thing, but I think that you could make some really really great art with. Uh, you know, with with the child actors that we have available to us today, and I, I think it's kind of it's a small gap because, you know, these comes in that like these types of actors, this level of talent and this concentration comes in comes in waves, and it, it's not going to be long before we have to wait again to to have the opportunity to make these films. Mm-hmm. All right, Agreed. man. I, I think that does it for our uh, Stranger Things two podcast. Thank you for joining me. 
uh, this afternoon to talk mm-hmm. about this. Uh, no, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for hosting me, Jeffrey. Uh, you were great. Yeah. So to all the Wang Bangers out there, it's been a pleasure uh, hosting this podcast. And uh, for the E Wang Bang podcast, I'm Jeffrey Liu. I'm Emil Wang. Keep on banging. Keep on banging.